0: our guest speaker today, uh, Mr. Matt Pardee. Uh, Matt Pardee has served as a pastor within the H2O network of churches for many years, and he's spoken here at Covenant before, so I'll keep his introduction short and sweet. If you can think of every single positive superlative in the English language, Matt Pardee exemplifies every single one of them. So please welcome uh, Matt Pardee to the pulpit here. All right. Wow. Thank you for that huge exaggeration (laughs) appreciate that (laughs) all right it is so wonderful to be here would you guys mind if we all stand up and greet one another that would be fantastic why don't you say hi to some people and happy mother's day Alright. Well again, thank you for that overly warm uh, introduction. Again, my name is Matt Party, and it is definitely a blessing to be here. Some of my heroes of the faith are in this room and so it's always a, a wonderful uh, um, invitation to come and, and, and preach here. So happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers. It's really uh, great to be here and to see many of you again. And uh, this morning, I'm really excited about sharing a passage out of the book of Psalm. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm uh, 112. And uh, the other day, I was talking to my kids about baseball. A couple of my kids are good at baseball. I played baseball when I was young, and we were having this discussion about baseball. And it was because one of them did not want to go to practice. And uh, I was kind of arguing with him a little bit about he needed to do this. And as I drew him out and my other son... They were talking about their fear of being hit by the baseball. And uh, so I was trying to talk to them about, like, no, you don't need to be afraid of this. This is okay. And then they're like, well, were you ever hit by a baseball, Dad, when you were little? And I, I remembered getting hit in the arm by this, like, one of the fastest pitchers in our league and how painful it was, truly painful, and how afraid I was to go back up to bat after that. And so I was talking to my kids about this. And in my mind, you can imagine if you've ever had a conversation like this with a young person is you're thinking, this is actually a pretty rational fear. It hurts. I mean, you don't want to get hit. You know, when they're, they're up there batting and some kid loses control or that hard ground ball is coming and they're like, oh my goodness, here it comes. And it takes an awful hop and hits them in the mouth. Those are terrible. And those fears can be very real. So I'm trying to love my kids through this and, and not lie to them and say, no, 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 you play, don't be worried, you'll never get hit by the ball. You know, in our life, there are rational fears. There are things around us all the time that create fear. And the Bible is very clear about this. One of the greatest commands or one of the most frequent commands in the Bible is to not be afraid. Do not fear fear. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that, the things that, that bring fear into our lives. And I want to do that in light of Mother's Day, in, in view of some godly women in the Bible, and, and how they approached this. And uh, before we even start, uh, just looking at this first verse, uh, there's an important uh, uh, premise for all of this, is that the fear in the Bible, really, there's kind of two types of fear And the Bible talks about fearing the Lord, that we should have this reverence for the Lord. Maybe in our uh, daily vocabulary, when we think of fear, we usually attach it to something negative. But the Bible tells us that we should be in awe of God. A healthy fear of God is what really helps us have a right perspective on life, because we see how big God is. And as Tim was just sharing in that communion message, keeping our focus on Jesus, keeping our focus on how amazing God is, and how powerful God is, and how amazing his strength in all areas of our life are, is what diminishes our fear in these other areas. And so in Psalm 112, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord! How joyful are those who revere the Lord! and delight in obeying his commands. So this first verse is kind of the introduction to this chapter. And it says we are to be people that praise God. We worship God. We we sing about him. We we think of him. We're in his presence and we say, God, we praise you. You are the one true God, the creator of everything. And we in our hearts even as we we worship today, right? And now at this moment, we want to praise him we want to revere him in our hearts because that changes everything it's how it changes how we look at life and the bible tells us here that when we do that there is a joy that comes into our lives and we're going to read on here later that that when we're fearful of the world when we're fearful of things and of people in this world our joy is diminished we become anxious we become insecure And so we're going to pray here to open up this time. And as we look at this verse, we're going to just pray that God would give us a reverence for him, that that joy would come from from fearing him and there'd be a true delight in his word. That when we read his word and we understand more of who he is and what he wants from us, that it's going to bring a, a delight, it's going to bring a joy to our lives. So let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to take our eyes off of the world and our circumstances and to be in awe of you right now. Lord, I know even for myself, I've come and gone to church and, and haven't even given you a thought before, believe it or not. But God, let that not be what happens today. Lord, as we come into your presence and we're, we're talking to you right now, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. That you would show us how big and powerful and amazing and loving you are this morning. And God, that you would be so big in our minds and we would have such an accurate view of who you were that all the, the fears of other things would be diminished. Lord, that you would increase and that we would decrease and the things around us would decrease. Lord, I know that that's how you want us to live. I know that's your your hope for us. That we would be so filled with the knowledge of you, and we'd be so filled with your presence, that there would be a deep joy in our hearts that nothing can touch us. Lord, I need that for my life. I know many of us here today we need that. So would you speak to us through your word in Jesus' name, Amen. There's several things that I want to uh, bring up in this passage. And the first one is from Psalm 112, verse 7. We're going to skip ahead. And it says, these holy ones, these ones that walk with God, these ones that are filled with the Spirit and, and love His Word, they do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. I love this passage because there's a lot of times in my life where I fear bad news. And sometimes when you're on the mountaintop and things are going really well, that's when we fear the most, oh no, when is the bottom going to drop out on the things in my life? And we, be- we can become very fearful of bad news. When are things going to fall apart in my life, with my health, with my family, with my finances, with my job, with my relationships, and we can become very insecure about what might happen. And I talk, I know even talking to Christians, this is a really big deal, that a lot of people are just obsessed with the what-ifs of life. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, man, what if this? What if that happens? And we become consumed, and we become fearful and insecure because we're worried about Bad news that could come. And the Bible says, don't be afraid of the bad news. How can we do that? Because we don't put our hope in circumstances. We confidently trust the Lord to care for us. And again, so it's this enlarging of who God is, that He loves us, that He wants to care for us. He's going to give us the things that we need. And all these other circumstances are not what we need. And they're not worthy of our trust. And I love when the Bible talks about revering God and fearing God because when we fear God in a healthy way, we become very secure. And when we fear the world, we become very nervous. And that is not how God wants us to live. But we can be consumed by that. When we have this walk with God... He overcomes our pessimism. God has the ability to overcome the pessimism in our life. He wants us to be people of hope. Because the story of the whole scriptures is that he's the hero and he can give us a hope that is beyond this world. A hope over our circumstances. A hope over things. So I just want to pause and ask you this question. Are there things in your life? What circumstances of life are you afraid of? As we're reading this verse and, and we're just thinking about the Lord and letting Him, you know, uh, speak to our hearts. Are there things right now in your lives that you're afraid of? What bad news are you fearful of? Do you feel pessimism in your hearts? And God wants to come in and take care of those things. He wants to give you a security. I was uh, listening to uh, uh, John Ortberg speak recently and and reading one of his books. And he's a, he's a pretty famous pastor and author. And John Ortberg was talking about um, how this one day his wife asked him to come into the bedroom. She wanted to have this conversation with him. And he knew he was in trouble when he sat down on the bed. She pulled out note cards. And uh, he's like, uh-oh, what's going on here? We got note cards. That's not a good sign. And she started going through these things that that she saw in his life that concerned her. And a couple of the things that his wife shared with him is, you've really lost your joy. We used to laugh. We used to be really carefree. We used to joke. You used to smile more. And you just seem so serious. And he, he was talking about all the circumstances of his life that were concerning him and bringing him down. And, and life is very serious. And what if this happens? And all these different concerns of his life. And then she also said that, you know, you used to be such a good listener. And I feel like you're talking about all the things in your life, but you don't listen to me anymore. You don't really care about what's going on in my life. And he was really humbled in his heart. And he he said he pouted for about two days after this reproof. But then as he got with the Lord, he realized how consumed he'd been with the circumstances of his life. And he says this. I used to chase many things because I thought it would make me feel alive. I can't wait anymore to be who I want to be. Life is not about any particular achievement or experience. The most important task of your life is not what you do, but who you become. Man, that quote really speaks to me. Because I can think of the seasons of my life and I was in college and I just wanted to get married and I just wanted to be, I wanted to graduate. And then you want to get a job and then, you you know, you want to have kids and then you have kids and you think, wow, this is way harder than I thought. Why did I want to have kids so bad? And then you you, you think, man, if I could just get them through diapers, you know, that would be awesome. And then you get them through diapers and the next thing. And and with, with church and ministry and trying to grow a church. And just all these seasons of life. I can be so consumed with, man, if I could just get through this, I will be happy. I'm so ashamed to say, I've said that a thousand times in my life. If I could just get through this and this circumstance would change, I would be happy. And what John Ortberg is saying here and what the scripture is telling us is that that is not it at all. The joy and the delight comes from the presence of God through the seasons of life. Experiencing God in every moment. Not needing anything else to change in your life. Not needing a circumstance to change but for us to change. To become the people that he wants us to to be i am so impressed and amazed by the story of mary and the circumstances of her life if there was anybody worthy of true fear in life it would have been mary when this angel comes to mary in luke 1 and says you are going to be pregnant and you are going to carry the son of god and it says that that she was probably trembling and the angel said don't be afraid. Here's the plan. I mean, this teenage girl was, just must have been petrified. It didn't even make any sense how she hadn't even been with a man and she is going to conceive and have a baby. And it's amazing to just read the scriptures and see the depiction and the faith of this young girl. We can see why God picked her and why she said, Man, I'm favored among women. Because she was just so humble and accepted what God gave her. And in Luke 1, 37 and 38, she said uh, it, it says, For nothing is impossible with God. That's what the angel says to her. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come everything you said about me come true. And the angel left her. That is just an amazing perspective on life. The angel says, God is powerful. Nothing is impossible for God. We don't have to be afraid because he has things under control. Even though it doesn't make any sense, even though it doesn't seem like things are going the way that we want or that we're expecting, he has it under control. And she just simply says, I'm the Lord's servant. Man, I'm impressed by that. And I want that in my life. I want the circumstances to come and me to respond quickly and just say, God, I'm your servant. And whatever you have for me, my wife, my family, my friends, my church, God, you're in control. And I am going to be at peace. I am going to live in faith because I trust you. She had an amazing perspective on life that speaks to us. As we move on in this chapter, the next verse, it says these ones that are following God, they are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. We just talked about how the circumstances of life can make us very fearful. And God wants to be over that. And now I want to talk about who we can be afraid of. Are there people in our lives. Foes. Enemies. That we are fearful of. And I know that this could probably. You know cover a, a huge span. With all of us here. Of, of what kind of people. Or what kind of uh, relationships we have. That cause fear in our lives. It, it could really cover the gamut. You know we're afraid of uh, the relationships that we have. Are we going to disappoint people. And that can cause all kinds of fear. Are we fearful that we're not going to meet people's expectations? Are we afraid of of evil people around us that could harm us or harm our family? Are we afraid of world events and what could be happening with, with people in this world and how they affect us? And again, the Bible is telling us that we don't have to walk in that fear. We can walk in confidence because God is going to defeat our foes, and be triumphant. The Bible says that God will defeat our enemies. And we don't know if that's going to be today, or this week, or this month, or at the end of time, but God wants to win for us. I know it's always good for me and when I'm afraid of things, of like things that are going to hurt my kids or influence my kids, and this is probably one of my top fears in life, is that the world will get my kids? That petrifies me. If you're a parent, you you know that feeling. Is you just you just want your kids to grow up and know the Lord because he's he's awesome. God has made everything good in my life, and I am so thankful for that. He's changed everything for me. I I worry where I would even be if it wasn't for Jesus. In my life and the trajectory that I was taking. And as we look at our children, we look at our family, our friends, the people around us. We think, man, we just want them to know the Lord. And we can be worried that the world is going to get our kids. And I know reading Ephesians 6 always encourages me that there's this war going on. And if you know that passage in Ephesians 6, it says, Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the enemy. It's against these principalities, these world forces of darkness that are trying to triumph over God. And it, it just tells us so strongly to pray. Put on that armor of God and pray. And battle with God as our strength, because this is a spiritual battle that we're in. And you and I cannot win a spiritual battle. We need God. We need God to win those spiritual battles for us. So who are you afraid of this morning? And are you praying? Are you praying about those matters? If I were to observe your prayer life over the last week or the last month, would we see you praying about those things? Or are you just white-knuckling it in life, and you're battling in your own strength? You're just hoping things change. And I know God is always reminding me that, to just keep praying and battling. I felt like we won a, a spiritual battle recently. Um, you know, when I think of, like, who, who who could try to triumph against us, I think of, you know, lots of different things. But one of the things that comes to my mind is the universities where we have churches. We are, we are college churches throughout Ohio. And we, we gather together as pastors and we pray. We're always praying for favor with the universities. And this was really uh, a, a new thing uh, for us. But at Akron University, I'm sorry, at Kent State University, they're, they're planting at Akron. There's There's two groups there together. And at that university, the university was coming against our student group. And they sent them a very harsh email. Then, in the subscript, in big letters, it said, warning. Okay? And again, not a good email to get from the university. Warning. You have misused your room, and you're messing with all the technology, and you have children running through the halls, and you are this close to losing your student group status and not having rooms on the campus. Okay? That's a scary email to get when you're a university church and you depend on those things in a big way so we were all pulled together and we were just praying god what is going on we knew that these things weren't true but it ended up long story short there was a university official that really had an axe to grind against christians and he had kind of rallied up some support from the dean and some of these other university officials that this church h2o kent state needed to be off campus So we were like really worried and and we were just praying like, God, would would you change this? Would you fix this? And so they pulled together this meeting and Jason Slack, who's one of the pastors there and some of the other pastors, they got in the room with the right people. And again, they were just praying so hard this meeting would go well. And it just all came out that they were false accusations. Some other group that was coming in on Sundays after our church service was like messing everything up. And they weren't even aware that this group was coming in there. They were unplugging things and the projectors weren't working. And, uh, and all the accusations about the kids was actually not true. We have really safe child care there uh, in the university building. And the dean later on sent this email uh, because for the next few weeks they were just going over and over beyond and above what they needed to do with cleaning up and getting everything ready. And the dean sent this beautiful email that said, your group has gone far beyond what we expected. You are in good standing with this university, and we really appreciate your response to these things. And we're like, yes! You know, we felt like God had won a battle for us. And we really believe that just our prayer... And and, and believing that God was going to triumph in this situation, you know, was going to be the solution. And it was. And we praised God for that. I was thinking about another story of just amazing faith. And uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, the story in 1955, this black woman sat on a bus in the place where she was, you know, quote unquote, supposed to sit. She was in the black section. And when the white seats had filled up on the bus, the bus driver said to this woman, Rosa Parks, you need to move because the white section's filled and you need to give your seat up to this white person. She was probably so fearful. She was probably trembling. And she said, no, I'm not moving. This is wrong and I'm not gonna move. And you know the rest of the story, her lawsuit with many other people who had done this in these situations with bus seating had these amazing lawsuits and these battles and they won and they made great strides in the in the in the civil liberties and Rosa Parks said in one quote she said i knew something had to take i knew someone had to take the first step and i made up my mind not to move I have learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done does away with fear. I want to encourage us to have this this kind of faith. That when God brings us to these circumstances where we're truly afraid, and maybe we want to run, that is the time when God wants us to pray all the more. And really believe that he can triumph for us. That he has put us in this circumstance so that we might experience his power. And there's just been real situations with my family and with ministry where I just feel like, man, this is it. Everything's going to fall apart. It's over. The enemy's going to win. And I get with God and he says, don't back down like that. Don't doubt me pray. And as I pray, and I'm just mustering as much faith as I can, God just starts filling me with hope. And I start feeling his power. And it's just an amazing, great feeling to know that I am not fighting these battles alone. We are not fighting these battles alone. But the God of the universe is our power. And it can fill us with great confidence to do what he is calling us to do. This last section says, They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. Man, when we become people of security and faith, something amazing happens at that moment. We become selfless. When we're filled with fear of things and people, our eyes are very focused on ourselves, aren't they? I mean, we become consumed with our own preservation. But what God wants to happen in all of our lives as we walk with Jesus is that we become so secure in Him and so filled with the Spirit and so taken care of that now our eyes are able to turn off of ourselves and onto the needs of the people around us. And we realize, like, man, I'm good. I am saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. He's got my back. You know, no matter what happens in my marriage, with my family, with my church, God has it. Now I'm your servant, God. Just lead me of how I can love and serve other people. And that is a great feeling. That is an amazing joy. When your life is defined by God using you to bless other people. And your life is not defined by you being consumed with yourself and taking care of your own circumstances. And he really wants us to to have that freedom. He wants us to live in that freedom to affect other people. It says they give freely, generously. I don't believe this is just money, but this is their life, their heart, their time. They're just giving people. Why? Because they're taken care of. And they're good. Their needs are taken care of. And now they can turn their good deeds to other people. And those are the things that are going to last for eternity. They will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. And I, I said this the last time that I was here. And I truly mean this. This church has been a place of influence and honor. I mean, I know a lot of, of you here, and, and, and especially it's Mother's Day, and I want to talk about some of the women here. I mean, some of the women here are some of the most godly women I know. And it's beautiful. Because there are women, some of you women here, that you just live so generously. You live so lovingly. And when I, I come across you and I see I think, man, that woman knows God. They're living with God, and they, you, you have this selflessness in this church that has really affected so many people. It's affected the city. It's affected the world. And it's really something worthy of honor. That's why it's always a blessing to be here. God wants to give us that influence and honor that is beyond ourselves. So let's continue in that as the body of Christ. Let's continue to pursue God and let him diminish our worldly fears so that we have that courage to go out and continue to love on other people. As I close here, I just want to talk about Esther. And uh, many of you know the amazing story of Esther. Again, she was a woman that was fearful. And the Jewish people were going to be slaughtered. Haman had his evil plan and he went to the king and all the Jews were going to be destroyed. And Mordecai, her relative, says, Esther, now that you're queen, you're right there, you're here for this situation. You are in this place for this time and you need to go do something. And she was fearful. And it says, what did the people do? They prayed. They prayed and they fasted. And Esther went and she had the favor of the king, and she won a huge battle. The king realized what Haman was doing. He was taken out of the picture. Esther was given influence and honor, and all the Jewish people were saved. And I do not remember reading the end of this passage, but I was so taken by this. It says, When Mordecai left the king's presence... Okay? He was going to go tell all the people that this edict to kill the Jews was no more. And if anybody even touched the Jewish people, they were going to be in trouble. Okay? So Mordecai is going out with this new edict from the king that says, the Jewish peace people are awesome, don't even touch them, or the king's wrath will come upon you. So when Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold, and a purple robe of fine linen. And the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. She truly influenced the Jewish people. And there was joy because of her faith. We're going to read on. It says, In every providence and in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews. With fasting and celebrating... And many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. That's pretty cool. People were like, whoa, what is up with these Jewish people? Surely something is special about them. And the people were so amazed. They were so fearful. They were so in awe of what God had done that many of these other nationalities became Jewish people because they witnessed the influence and the honor and the power. As I close and pray, I just want to pray for us that we would be those kinds of people. That when people look at our lives and they don't see insecurity and fear and pessimism, and when they see the hope of God in us, they say, man, I want that. How in the world do you live In that peace. And we can tell them. My God loves me. Jesus. Is taking care of me. And I want to walk in that joy. And be that light. To other people. Let's pray that that happens with us. God we thank you. So much that. You take such good care of us. And Lord, sometimes when we think of you taking care of us, we, we unfortunately just think of the circumstantial worldly things. And it brings doubt into our mind of whether you truly care for us. But God, we thank you that in the big story, Lord, you totally are taking care of us. You died for us so that we might have this deep relationship with you. We have eternal security with you in heaven. Lord, we we pray and we bring things to you. And through our faithfulness, Lord, you make a difference in this world. Lord, I pray that as we walk out of here today, Lord, that we would just have more faith. And the things that would bring us down the things that would bring fear into our lives. Lord, you would just laugh at those things and we would laugh with you. We would smile at the future. That we would be people that are optimistic because we have you in our lives. Oh God, I need you to change me. Many of us here, Lord, we, we need you desperately to change us and to make us people of faith. Lord, finally I just want to thank you for these examples of godly women in this in these stories and in these Bible verses, Lord, and how they 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 give us faith and they they sh, they shine light on what it is to walk with you. And God, I also just thank you for the women here, the the women of such influence that that influence their children and their families and their neighbors and the people in the city. Lord, would you continue to bless them? I'm so thankful for my mom. I'm so thankful for my wife. Thankful for the many women here that in their hearts truly want to be your servant. God, I pray that you would bless them and encourage them today. In Jesus' name.